Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode number 38. As always, I am your host, Jeremy Bray, alongside my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? <laughs> Sorry. Someone's giddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not the only one. I've had a off day, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's been one of those really cold and rainy days where it's just pretty much rained all day been real cold a lot of places in Colorado have gotten a bunch of snow too which is kind of surprising for the last day of summer yeah I think a lot a lot of the country is getting a lot of rain I don't know why yeah I hear there's some major flooding issues down in Atlanta yeah and I heard they busted pipes and stuff like that yeah, I, we're, I guess we're looking for days in the 50s for the next couple of days, and it's supposed to be in the 60s, but it, there's supposed to be a chance of rain and snow and stuff all week, which I'm hoping it's not too bad since I have a Windows 7 launch event in Denver to go to on Thursday. Snow already? Yep, I, I don't know how much they got up and around Denver. I know a little bit south of Denver they got a couple inches. Um, I think up around... Pikes Peak, they were saying 5 to 10 inches, and I know some of the... There were several other places that got several inches, too. But around around here, all we got was rain. Huh, interesting. Yeah, it, it should be a fun time. But as long as there's no bad weather on Thursday, that's all I care about. Right. I don't want anything getting in the way of me and my Windows 7 Ultimate. <laughs> But anyway, you can go ahead and jump right into the stories here, but real quick, don't forget you can always um, follow along in the show notes at globalgeeknews.com, and don't forget to check out the blog at globalgeeknews.com slash blog, or you can find the link right there on the homepage. Speaking of which, there is now a donation page on globalgeeknews.com, which I'll talk about at the end of the show. Um... And also, I know I forgot to do a tip of the week last week, so we doubled up. We have two this week. But anyway, we can go ahead and jump right into the story, since we want to try and hurry through this a little bit. But our first story is that the Pirate Bay appeals judge is apparently looking to be banned from the... or is facing a ban from the case, because apparently he's an employee of Spotify. Yeah, I read this story, and I thought it was kind of odd that a judge would actually be an employee of a company. Um, I don't know how it works there um, with their legal system, but usually judges here in the United States, that's their job and that's all they do. Um, there's no mood lighting usually. Uh, at least non-legal related uh, uh, other employment. Well, I'm wondering if there's not a corrupt judge in this whole system. I mean, the last judge had all kinds of conflicts of interest because he was part of a copyright lobby, and now we got this guy that works for Spotify, which is, um, which they do a lot of dealings with the recording industry, which we don't have Spotify here in the U.S. I hear, I think it's more of a European thing. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just wondering if there's, if they can actually find a halfway decent judge in that whole country. Yeah, the, the system seems very, very, um, uh, like hobble together when you talk about like they have to bring judges in that uh, may have conflict of interest because they all do other things 
And so I, I wonder how much time do they actually focus on uh, being a judge and um, studying the law and practicing the law uh, when it seems like a lot of them are involved in so many other things. I don't know. I guess maybe when you have a country small enough like this, you don't have as many lawsuit crazy people as we do here as to where we keep our judges going 24-7. <laughs> so you're saying it's the lack of work that makes them have to that, get other jobs. That would be my guess. But I, I, mean, I don't know that, but that, that would be my guess. That seems to be pretty much the only thing that makes much sense at this point. Well, currently at this point, the retrial is scheduled for scheduled for November. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we'll see who will be. I mean, I'm I'm sure we'll be watching this case case very closely when it comes up for the retrial. Yeah, I, I know. I will be. I was even last time. I was watching all the tweets and everything that I could on the spec trial. But yeah, I guess they're expecting this one to take about two weeks like the last one took too. Yeah, I think that's very quick. Um, so, I, I wonder how much you know, when you when you talk about two weeks, how much of that is actually bringing up uh, material and how much of that is just personal opinion that the judge feel feels that, you know, it sounds like you were in the wrong so you're guilty or is it actually built on, uh, uh, based off uh, legal code saying, well, you definitely violated these uh, laws. Um, seems seems very uh, opinion heavy there. Yeah, I, don't know. I know when I've um, I've seen uh, videos and stuff. It was many months before the trial of just kind of all the papers that they had for the trial. The stack of papers that they had for the Pirate Bay trial for the prosecution was like several times more pages than they have for a murder trial, which mm. I thought was kind of amazing. Yeah, and, and so you can't tell me two weeks is enough time for everyone to go through all that material. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I guess it'll be one of those things where maybe everybody will just know about most of the stuff in advance since this is basically one of the biggest cases, I think, in the country's history. So... I'm guessing everybody will just kind of have an idea and they won't need to go through everything line by line. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, are you not supposed to bring in assumptions when you start a new case, even if it's an appeals uh, case? That that you're supposed to just look at it with fresh eyes? Yeah, I don't know. And that's one of the stories we have later about is kind of about getting outside information and stuff. It's one of the things that have has always kind of annoyed me in that why shouldn't we be able to get outside information? I mean, basically all you get to do, to do is hear what the lawyers have to say. Well, they lawyers have a tendency of trying to hide some facts and stuff like that and only want you to see things the way they see them. So I see no problem in looking into um, other facts surrounding the case just so you have a better idea of what really happened. Yeah, well, uh, I guess it's their legal system and they have to play with it, but um, I, I wonder if this will, you know, if this will have a better outcome than it did the first time. I certainly hope so, but I don't know. I'm, 
I'm still keeping a real close eye on the whole pirate base sale thing. Cause now the they're saying that the guy that runs the company buying the pirate bay it looks like he's gonna have to go into bankruptcy now. Cause even after they've seized his cars, his boats, and everything, they he still hasn't come up with enough money to pay his back taxes. Yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, that's whole my, that, this whole thing is just academic at this point. I don't think Pirate Bay is going to survive much longer, at least in its current form. Um, but, I mean, you see it, it happen with uh, with Kazaa. You saw it happen with um, with Napster. I mean, all these companies go under, but, I mean, there's tons to take their place. Yeah, I, I believe I did a write-up, uh, I don't know, it was maybe a couple of weeks ago on the blog globalgeeknews.com slash blog about the whole BitTorrent scene and how things are changing and what I think they're going to turn into. So the more you want to find out about that, make sure to check that out. But speaking of the future, apparently the FCC chairman Julius Janikowski hopes to have network neutrality here in, in the near future here in the States. Right, and the good thing is it's extending all the way from wired and wireless networks, so not just uh, cable and DSL and U-verse, but um, cell data also. Yeah, apparently, well, then the whole cell data thing would be a big slap at Apple with all their Apple, the whole Apple AT&T thing with stuff that you can have on there and stuff that you can use the network for, like Skype and stuff like that. But... I guess what he's looking to do is expand the four freedoms that they have right now to include um, non-discrimination and transparency. So apparently now you'll, they're basically looking to make it a store traffic can't be discriminated against, companies can't be discriminated against, so that like an ISP can't say, well, Google used most of, most of our traffic. Yeah. So they should pay more or for their bandwidth or something like that. Which, that's certainly a... I think this is certainly a good step in the right direction, although there's a lot of stuff I haven't heard people talking about. I'm, I'm kind of curious to know how stuff like this non-discrimination goes against, like, bandwidth caps. Well, they said uh, network management must be disclosed, so I wonder... I guess that's a, a way of doing that. Um, one thing that I think is... This, this this proposal is missing is a little bit of teeth. Um, you remember when Comcast uh, was blocking BitTorrent, and I think they got uh, they didn't even get a fine; they just got a talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that some some penalties need to be associated with this legislation. Yeah, and there was actually some updates on that on that whole FCC Comcast thing today, but I didn't get a chance to go through all of them, I guess it was just mainly FCC kind of responding to Comcast's claims that it had no authority to enforce anything like this. Mm-hmm. But as, as far as it's concerned, it's allowed to enforce any kind of um, communication, wired, wireless, whatever, something like, or something to that effect, if I remember correctly. Yeah. We needed, the, I guess, a, a little bit of... of um the whole public-private thing needs to be worked out because all these networks are privately held and um, 
but they're made for you know public consumption. So I think that probably is a little of the fuzziness around this about legislating what a company does on their own private networks, even though we're customers of them. Um, I think uh, just like healthcare, maybe we need a government option. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite so sure about that, but I don't know. I I think there just needs to be a little bit more competition. I think contracts like Comcast has with my city, where it's an exclusive cable provider contract, I think mm-hmm. stuff like that shouldn't be allowed to occur. I I would love to have more options than Comcast. Speaking yeah, of, speaking of which, the, um, go ahead. For anybody who is a Comcast customer, um, with the whole Doxus 3.0 rollout, I guess they're going to be, as a way of helping fund that, your modem lease fee is going to go up from $3 a month to $5 a month. So, just a heads up for everybody. So, buy your modems now and have your own modems. Wow, 66% increase? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go buy me a modem. I think I found one off of Amazon the other day for like 90 bucks or something like that that I was that I'm going to get cuz I prefer to have my own equipment anyway but if it, and if I get to knock 5 bucks a month off the Comcast bill that would be nice too. Well, I was going to say the public option for uh, like the communities that are um, very rural and it's not profitable because there's not enough customers. I think there's no way that those communities are going to be served um, by the private sector. Um, so the government needs to have some sort of hand in making sure that those those people get access. And um, like you're saying, in some places where there are monopolies, um, uh, either that there's only DSL or there's only satellite or there's only cable, which is a very rare, I'm guessing. Um, I, more, I agree, more competition, but uh, we should have like a post office for the Internet. Yeah, there needs to be something more for the rural areas, I think maybe we need to have some sort of special WiMAX initiative or something like that for it. Right. I don't mm-hmm. know, I've, I've heard of um, various experiments that people have tried where they've put like a WiMAX transmitter on a weather balloon and send it up and then have um, some kind of reward for once the balloon pops or falls back down or whatever and have some reward for returning the equipment. Apparently from what I hear, that's a far cheaper way of deploying something like WiMAX than deploying out a whole infrastructure to go along with it. Right. I mean, we have, um, you know, we did the digital transition on the airwaves. Um, some of that communication bandwidth can be used for high-speed internet. Um, that was discussed before. I don't understand why we, that's still not possible now. Yeah. Well, and I think we need to look more at... Um, broadband over power lines too I'm not sure if there's much of a distance limitation on stuff like that but basically everywhere's going to be hooked up to the power lines so even in rural areas so you can still get power or you can get internet through the power lines that way I would think but I'm not again I'm not sure if there's like distance restrictions and stuff on how far something like that can go it's less on distance restrictions and more on the uh, the uh, attenuation that happens when you go from uh, each substation to each substation, and mm-hmm. that means a large equipment rollout in order to get that done. Um, there's also some filtering issues um, with ha- uh, houses that are on the same line and stuff like that. 
uh, it's possible, but the U.S. system, the way that the grid is set up, it makes it kind of difficult to implement, especially uh, getting any kind of high speed through that. Um, <laughs> funny that you asked that, because I, I, I've, I've worked on that, or at least the research of it, for uh, previous projects, let's just say, um, at work. And so I, I know a little bit about power, Ethernet over Powerline. Hmm. Uh, I know I hadn't heard too much about it other than like some theoretical speeds and stuff, but I hadn't heard much about how viable it is. Yeah, not here in the U.S. Not, not, uh, not, not, not any way of doing it cheaply. Hmm. Well, so much for that idea. Yeah. And so much for the idea of employees or former employees being hackers. According, as apparently there's. A lot of um, everybody seems to try and um, file saying that people are hackers or whatever with the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act by saying that they're having some sort of unauthorized access to computers or a network is just a way of adding another charge onto stuff. Well, apparently the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals is said that that's not the case, at least where an employee sent an email to himself with the company's computers in an effort for him to steal customers from his company. Yeah, so he had financial data and customer data that he, while he was an employee, he emailed copies of the data uh, from his job his, at the time to his personal computer. Um, so he was an employee. He did have access to the data. He did have access to the database. Um, so um, what they were trying to charge him with was unauthorized access. Uh, it might be malice access or um, using the data for uh, what it wasn't intended for, but it wasn't unauthorized. He did have authorization to access the data, uh, but he just didn't have approval to take it off-site and use it for personal use. And apparently he left the company and uh, is running... A business with his wife and is utilizing that company data. Um, this sounds more like something that should be more of a, a civil suit than an actual crime per se. Yeah, apparently he was trying to buy part, of, buy out part of this company at one point. Things kind of fell through, and then he left the company. But right, but but when they fell through, right before he left the company, he just emailed himself all these files and, and so that he could start his own little company to compete with them and then try and go after the same customers, which I've heard of stuff like this happening, and it's certainly unethical, but I think I agree with the court on this one that it's illegal and or that it's not illegal, I should say, and that a lot of people seem to be trying to abuse this Computer Fraud and Abuse Act so that they can prosecute people when technically they did nothing illegal, they're just grasping at straws. Well, they might have done something illegal, but he didn't do anything against... Uh, they can't prosecute him under at least this law, which is the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. Um, so I, I blame the lawyer of the prosecution uh, for trying to bring this up. Uh, if they, they could have gotten him on something more than this. At least um, well, it, it sounds like... The, I mean... He was. They were trying to reach. And says they. He must have broken some law, and I think they just found that this might have been the closest. Well, I think if anything, 
there would maybe be some you can make a case for breaking some sort of privacy laws or something like that since this information on like customer information got out and stuff at the same time I don't even know if you'd want to try and play that card just because if you're inf- if people see your information is insecure as to where it gets out and turn that looks bad on you yeah they already admitted that the their data was breached through this or um, at least they not breached from outside source but internally so they could have gotten them under data theft or some sort of theft of uh, company property uh, but uh, I, I don't know why they went this route that's why I say that I, I blame the lawyer for trying to go after him on this uh, with with this statute yeah sounds like one of the lawyers that probably just doesn't have too much experience or maybe he's taking after Jack Thompson and he's just wants to be the biggest idiot he can be. <laughs> but speaking well. of lawyers, uh, mm-hmm. apparently now they're demanding that jurors stop Googling. Yeah. Apparently they don't want jurors uh, with iPhones. I guess that's brought up specifically, but having uh, with the internet being easily accessed at your fingertips using personal digital devices such as an iPhone. Um, they don't want people looking up terms or, or doing their own research. Yeah, this is kind of what I was referencing earlier. Um, what really surprises me is that jurors can have their phones and be fiddling with them during the middle of a case. Seems a little strange to me. But. Yes, um, but the thing is, what bothers me here is that I don't think the juries have the ability for asking to clarify on things. Like, for instance, if you did look something up, uh, the prosecution says one thing, the defense says one thing, but there's one question that wasn't answered by either, Mm -hmm. and the jury or the juror looks it up and says, I wonder if they meant this or that. I I don't know if the the jury has the ability of of asking questions to even get clarified. I think like once they're back in deliberations, they can come back with some questions. I'm not sure as to what extent or anything, but I, I think they can come back with some questions for maybe like clarifications on jury instructions, and I'm not sure how what the extent is that they can ask lawyers and stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't know. They it it's I've always felt that the system just kind of ties their hands a little bit. I mean, if I go into a case and I happen to know something that they're talking about, um, why shouldn't I... I should be able to say something like that, and and the other jurors should be able to go on the internet and... and, or wherever, and look up what I'm saying to know that it's right, and that the lawyers are just trying to pull the wool over their eyes, and for whatever purposes... And I, I just have never thought that something like that's right. Yeah, I guess the only way the, for it to, to make sense is if the information that the juror looks up on the internet is not contradictory to what the prosecutor or the defense says, but maybe be additional and enhance that information. But I guess that's hard to police. But then again... I mean, they're all adults. They're were charged with the responsibility of looking at a case, and so uh, during jury selection, that should be some of the 
that should be one of the things that they should use uh, to select jurors to make sure that they're responsible enough to uh, come to the right decision, regardless of what, what information they get it, get get their uh, data from. Yeah, I think the whole legal system just kind of needs reworking, starting with this. I think. Yeah. Well, it looks like the RIAA is trying to impress the legal system on elementary school-aged children. Yeah, in the latest brainwashing effort by the RIAA, apparently now they have school curriculums that talk about stuff like a DMCA notice, counterfeit recordings, the Grokster ruling, um, Napster rulings, um what's legal downloading, what's illegal downloading, online piracy, peer-to-peer file sharing, pirate recordings, song lifting, which apparently is shoplifting, but you're stealing songs instead, and copyright law and stuff like that. Although apparently there's no mention whatsoever of things like fair use. I wonder why that is. That's, that's kind of weird, don't you think? Yeah, I guess when you have an agenda you're wanting to push it but apparently they're even um, giving calculations for kids to do saying that there's so many kids within a certain age range within like a year or two of whatever these kids are and that on average they steal two songs well at 99 cents a piece that comes to 7.8 million dollars Hasn't there been a study saying that when you start teaching kids about stuff like that, like this, that they're not even aware that they could steal songs and it could actually produce more people who steal songs because they didn't realize that they could get them off the internet for free anyway? So it more educates them on how to steal songs and less not to. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And this is mainly targeted at elementary schools. I don't think it's going to be in any of the other schools. Try pulling something like this in a high school teacher would probably get thrown out of the room, probably. Yeah. But, I mean, what's, what is this? I mean, how do you introduce the whole concept of their stuff on the internet and you have to pay for it? And, 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 and oh, it might warp the, the child's sense of how the whole economy works and everything. Yeah. Well, what gets me is this whole $7.8 million thing mm-hmm. that they say that it amounts to. Because under that, they're saying the songs are worth $0.99 cents a piece. Now, when you get the RIAA in court, they're going to be saying it's worth thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars a piece. Yeah, so, isn't Jamie Thomas, didn't she get like a big chunk of that one, $7.8 million? Yeah, something like that. Hers was like one point something million. Yeah, I think it was like one point nine or something like that. The store, I think, I think for her it was eighty thousand dollars a song or something like that. I think. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, so I mean, it it just kind of seems stupid. Here they're telling kids ninety nine cents a song, in court they're saying tens of thousands of dollars a song, and they're prosecuting people, or trying to, to the maximum extent of the law. So. if you have, if they can prove that you transferred files illegally um, and intended to do so, that's a hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine, or up to a hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine. So that right? Yeah, 
It, it and those are just no numbers to kids. I mean, I remember being a little kid going to the grocery store with my mom and then begging for a quarter to play a video game. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how hard it was to get that quarter. I didn't know how much time that my parents had to work to earn that quarter. I was just like, give me what's in your wallet, and they would hand it to me. I don't know where it came from or, or the real importance of money. And so I don't think 99 cents as opposed to a million dollars is really hard. It's really easy to understand when you're that young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it just, well, uh, that's a big part of it too is a lot of these kids have no realization and they don't understand what 7.8 million dollars is right and and they can't picture it from what i've from there's been a study at one point that i heard that speaking of how many things you can visualize at once people generally can't visualize more than two thousand of any one item so trying to visualize what seven point eight million dollars is isn't going to really work. Mm-hmm. But I, I just wish that the RAAA would get their story straight. Is it worth ninety nine cents? Is it worth one hundred and fifty thousand dollars? I mean, right. they need to come up with something because I'm mean, having a curriculum like this saying this, saying that it's worth ninety nine cents a song, which even that can be different based on where you buy it from. It may be ninety nine cents in Amazon, on iTunes, and it may be seventy nine cents on Amazon, so right. I mean, or it might be free if it's like pod, pod safe music. Yeah, and they need they need to come up with one story and stick with it. Yeah. Well, how much do you think a thirty second song would be? Hopefully, nothing. <laughs> well, the artists uh, want to start uh, getting paid for the thirty second previews that you get before you purchase a song. Yeah, th- this just seems stupid because then you'll have eventually this is going to get passed down to the consumer and when it does assuming this happens they're going to be paying just to listen to a 30 second song or they're going to have to listen to an ad so they can listen to the 30 second song only to find or a 30 second clip of a song only to find out if they want to buy the song in in the end yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, it kind of trips me up. This is thirty seconds. Seriously, you want us to pay for that? Uh, do you want to get paid for everything? Like, what about what if uh, what if people start stop doing the thirty second preview and do the twenty nine cent preview? Do they want to get paid for that too? Or I mean, will that is that a way that people start working around uh, this new revenue stream if the, if it did get uh, accepted? Where they start saying, okay, now you get 10 seconds of the song. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm getting to the point where I just want to find every person that works at the RIAA and then and send them a copy of Free by Chris Anderson. And maybe they'll realize how good Free is. Well, apparently this is like ASCAP and BMI. Um, they're the ones who are trying to get performance fees for this. Um, so it's it's this article is slanted saying that the artists are asking for this. But... The, uh, when you talk about associations, it's hard for it's hard to understand exactly how much of that does get passed on to the artists and to the the songwriters. Yeah, I know a number of artists that, when it comes to like this piracy and stuff like that, they don't tend to have a problem with it, and they don't like the groups like RAAA and stuff for prosecuting it and stuff. But I don't see them ever really standing up to the labels 
saying, no, don't do this, or I'm going to leave. Unfortunately, being a part of these is just kind of a part of the industry, and whether you like it or not. Yeah, well, um, how would you feel if... Uh, I know Apple Records has this deal with Apple Corporation that they couldn't become a record label, but what if they did? Do you think that you would see a lot of artists just totally going underneath the Apple umbrella to get more money and just be purely digital? They might. I don't know. It, it seems like most artists tend to realize that they make very little, if any, money on their music itself. They just tend to make it on merchandise and concerts and stuff, which mm-hmm. is one of the things that Free talks about, which I just actually finished reading that last week. Is that Chris in, Anderson, right? Right. Which, for those that haven't read it, check it out. As far as I know, if you have a Kindle, you can still get it for free on the Amazon store. And I think it's free in digital form and some other places. But he talks about piracy, especially music, music piracy in China, where essentially they, the artists, the, even the record labels, realize they're not going to get anything from uh, the music because most of it's going to be pirated so they basically just use it as a way of advertising and marketing their groups and stuff for concerts and merchandise and stuff like that and that's how they make their money is they use the music to get people into concerts and I think once like the RIAA and stuff realizes that I think we may end up seeing free music completely, or at least stop this kind of stupidity. Yeah. Um, like when uh, the Zune HD came out last week, a lot of people were talking about the HD radio receiver and saying, who listens to the radio anymore anyway? Um, mm-hmm. And the radio's free, um, except for the advertising. Um, there, it's We're definitely going through this shift on music and how people treat music and how people like to consume music and I think that the industry needs to adapt around that instead of uh, trying to force us into constraints on the uses models that they deem is correct and how they want us to use it Um, the power is shifting and it's moving away from uh, groups and uh, associations that are trying to tell us how we should listen and what we should listen to. Yeah, I, I don't know. It seems like, from what I understood in the book, is that basically China's already made this change that's slowly starting to happen here. That seems like the record labels here are doing everything that they can to stay clinging to their old business model instead of trying to move into the future. Yeah, uh, let's just see how long that, that lasts. I mean... Yeah, uh, like uh, Amazon has just decided to come up with their white label products, their own little brand. Um, we were talking about their MP3 store, and we talked about Apple. They could also white label music. Yeah, this is this story kind of surprised me. Apparently, Amazon is now starting their own electronics line. I guess they're looking to have like their own um, writable discs and cords and stuff so that they can sell like their own HDMI cables and USB cables and stuff that has their own little 
Amazon.com logo on it. And from the sounds of it, they're going to try and price it as to where they're competing with sites like Monoprice, which mm-hmm. I'm hoping maybe this is a signal that Monster Cable could be dying soon. Yeah, I'm sure there will still be a market for high-end, quote-unquote, cables by other uh, manufacturers. But I think for the basics and for commodity items, this is awesome. Um, there is, there's always uh, a big question mark when uh, the same marketplace competes with its customers, which would be uh, the vendors that sell things on Amazon. Uh, but I, but if if uh, if this works out great, I mean I, I'm I'm hopefully it it'll expand out to other products. I, I know like um, whenever if if you buy a TV from Amazon, you know these type of items like the HDMI cables um, and and uh, the extender cables. Um, that's going to show up at the bottom of all those purchases. The same with if you buy a computer, you might get these. Uh, the firewire cables or, or USB cables or DVD discs. I know that's probably going to start showing up uh, more prominently on uh, on those items that you purchase. Yeah, I've always had a thing where people who purchase this item also purchase this, and it tends to be accessories and stuff, so I'm sure this is going to start showing up more and more. And when it comes to cables and stuff, like HDMI cables, I've always purchased them through Amazon, because I can get an HDMI cable from some third party off through Amazon for like two, three bucks instead of spending 60, 70 bucks over at Best Buy to get one. Yeah. So I mean, it's good that they're finally bringing this stuff as to where they have their own stuff instead of having all these third parties selling them for cheap. Yeah, and hopefully this will also help in like an education campaign. Uh, people asking why are those cables so expensive, meaning the other brands, and uh, help bring some much-needed competition to this overinflated accessory market. Yeah. Speaking of which, I also saw that uh, USB 3.0 stuff is finally starting to get some momentum, which will be nice to see some of that. Although I don't, there's so much stuff out there right now that can't take advantage of it, it's kind of sad, but I look forward to the huge speed boost that that's going to bring. Yeah, that's going to be nice. Especially when you're talking about uh, devices like the Zune HD, like we were talking about before, and and uh, the larger capacity iPods. It'd be nice to be able to load those in really quickly. Yeah, so I went to go purchase a Zune HD last week. So did I. And Went to Best Buy, didn't have any, didn't have any on display or anything. This was, of course, launch day, so I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll just try back later on in the week. So I tried back two days later, still didn't have anything. So I went to the local GameStop, which before have always sold Zunes and Zunes and Zune accessories and everything. Apparently they're not even carrying Zune anymore. Then I hear later on in that day that... Zoom is selling out everywhere, even online. So last I knew, there were only you could still get your hands on some 32 gig versions at places like Newegg and stuff, but otherwise 16 gig versions and everything had sold out everywhere. Yeah, I was getting the opposite. Um, I was told that a lot of the 32s were sold out here in Austin, and I would have to go one city north 
to to get a 16 gig. Um, so they, apparently they're either they are limited supply, or they are actually just uh, really selling out. Especially, I, I'm surprised that I haven't seen any TV commercials for a Zune. Have you? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think the only Zune commercials I've seen even semi recently are like the ones they had for the Zoom Pass and stuff that you can find on YouTube. But I don't think I've seen any for the Zoom HD, I don't believe. Yeah, I've heard I heard it on the radio. I've seen banner ads and um I've uh, of, of course all the gadget sites are covering it. Um but I have not seen it on TV, which which is, you know, interesting. Uh it's totally not an Apple approach to to not be able to uh, to advertise there, so it's kind of good. I, I'm surprised it's. I'm happy and surprised that it has the success that it's had, at least what it appears to be. Um, I, I wonder if uh, we can hear of uh, some numbers soon coming from Microsoft on how well it actually did did do. I would expect that we'd probably hear something, maybe the end of this quarter or next quarter would be my guess. But I've got a feeling that. Considering all the good press that they've had, they've probably made supply a little bit short. So then, not only do they have all these good reviews floating around out there, but on top of that, they have stories of um, the Zune selling out everywhere, making it sound even better than it is. So I, I have a feeling that that's kind of the strategy that they're going for. Yeah, I hate that strategy. I mean, it, it, that's what happened with uh, with Palm and the Pre. That's what they're trying to go for, and I, I, I didn't think that one went too well. Um, the Wii that sucked for a while. Um, I, I think they just need to flood the market, especially when you're talking about a North America only release. There should be no excuse on why they can't have enough product out there for people to purchase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just looking. I'm not looking to replace my iPod. I'm. I still plan on using that for the apps and, as like a portable computing device, but I just want that good quality audio back again that I had with my regular Zoom. And I'm getting to the point where I'm about to go back, as, in terms of audio, to go back to my original Zoom, or at least until I can get a Zoom HD, just because the audio quality is far, far superior than the iPod Touch. Did you hear they got rid of squirting? Yeah, I thought that was kind of surprising, but at the same time, I'm not sure I've ever run into other Zune owners that I could have squirted anything to if I wanted to. Right, but this is probably what the most popular Zune ever that they've ever released. True. And so there probably might be a higher degree of probability that you would run into somebody with a, a Zune HD. Um, so now they've taken that away, uh, which is funny. But I wonder if that's uh, restricted, uh, meaning that I wonder if with their applications that they now allow if they're opening up the wireless for use with those applications so you could write around that if you wanted to I'm not I'm not sure right now from what I understand the only thing that you can write applications with is XNA and that's primarily built for creating games I'm not sure how much you can create with it in terms of the way of regular apps mm-hmm and I think that, and even then, I'm not sure how you really go about getting uh, games on to a Zoom. Because from what I can tell, you can't really submit them to the Zoom marketplace or anything. That you, you probably just have to like 
sell it on your own site and tell people here's how to install it or whatever. That that that's just kind of the way it, it seems to me. But it's, it seems uh, that that's one of the things I'm going to talk about in the blog tomorrow is Sony's whole strategy with the PSP Go and the Minis, where they're basically kind of cutting the whole Minis off the knees, saying that you can't use any wireless services and they're really restricting it as to where it kind of defeats the purpose of opening it up to more developers. Yeah, well, I'm wondering if the Zoom will become a hobbyist platform like the PSP and like the iPhone um, when it was closed. Um, And with the restrictions of the, 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 that Sony is placed, I wonder if people will just hack around that. Um, And if we start that cast, cat and mouse game again where they do something and then they do something to, pr- to block that. Uh, I hope Microsoft doesn't do that. I hope they don't restrict it if it does become a hobbyist platform. Uh, but I digress. Uh, let's move on to the next story. Yeah. Uh, next story. Oops, I accidentally skipped a story there. Well, apparently it looks like Blockbuster, as I predicted, is starting to shut some of its doors. Yeah, they're closing 90, 960 stores, which is amazing um, that that's, uh, that's, that's just a drop in a bucket for the 7,000 stores that they own. Yeah, I, I see kind of a real parallel here between Blockbuster and Circuit City. And they're saying that they're basically closing, I think it's like 18% of their stores, which aren't profitable. And the other stores are still profitable, which who knows how long that'll last, assuming that's even true in the first place. But that's basically what Circuit City did at the very end, is they closed a bunch of stores that supposedly were the least profitable or unprofitable or whatever, and then just a couple of weeks later, closed out completely. Yeah. And I've got a feeling that's going to happen with this, too. It all depends on how close they are to the end. Um, uh, the, The... Apparently, they're expanding out their kiosk strategy, uh, Blockbuster is, uh, to help, I guess, to becomes another source of revenue. But yeah. depending on how bad they are, it, it all depends. Was this too late or, or not soon enough? Yeah, I'm not sure. I know, I've never, The whole kiosk strategy has never made any sense to me. And I guess they're looking to compete more with Redbox with that. But apparently, they have... Um, they intend to have 2,500 kiosks available by the end of the year, which apparently they've only got around 500 now, and hopes to have 10,000 available by the middle of next year, which I've never seen the whole purpose of the kiosk. I, and I think like something like Netflix runs circles around kiosks just because in those kiosks, you can only have a certain number of movies. They're tendly, they tend to be some of the newer titles. And a lot of times, if I want to rent a movie, it's not something... It's not a newer title that, in many cases, I could get on demand or something like that. It's generally an older movie. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think that that can really be considered a long-term strategy. Because as soon as people more people wake up to... Netflix and its instant streaming and stuff like that, they'll kind of see that the whole kiosk thing is kind of useless. Yeah, well, um, 
if it's working for them, I say more power to them. Um, the question is, like, they tried their Netflix, or are they because they're still doing it? Um, but then they started changing the terms of service and making it un- unattractive again. Um, I wonder if they might do the same thing with the kiosk, and which they would start off fine and then change their policies in which it makes it unattractive. Uh, I hope they have learned from their mistakes, and I hope this closing of stores is a wake-up call, and they will stop becoming uh, the evil blockbuster that we've all known them to be. Yeah, I, well, from the numbers I had originally seen, I didn't really much think that they would make it to the end of this year. Seeing that they're about to close 960 stores, I would say that they'll be gone by the end of 2011, and I wouldn't be surprised to see if they if they ended up closing like half their stores by the end of next year. Yeah. Well, if they did something radical like purchase Redbox, I think that would be a good move for them. I don't know if they have enough cash on hand to do that. Um, the biggest thing is that closing score stores is not free. It costs a lot of money to actually do a closure of a store, um, as you can see from Circuit City and their liquidation sales. Um, but um, we won't know if this does help for at least another quarter. Well, I know at one point I heard there were rumors going around of um, Blockbuster looking to buy Circuit City, this, of course, being before Circuit City went out of business for a billion dollars. Yeah. And from the sounds of it, they had... I don't know if they could even come up with a billion dollars to buy Circuit City, even if they wanted to. And plus, it would be the opposite of what they're doing now, which would be taking on more stores instead of closing them. Yeah. Well, and at the time, I just... It, I, it seemed like a horrible idea of, like, the blind trying to lead the blind, kind of. <laughs> or the dying trying to save the dying. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But speaking of alternatives, um, apparently Hulu is testing some subscription-based service internally. Yeah, so it's another rev- revenue stream model in which um, they might charge a subscription fee for what I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know if it's premium content or the same content without advertising. Uh, it seems like they're they're only doing this internally, so it's hard to see say exactly what it is for sure. Yeah, there doesn't even seem to be a whole lot of speculation on what it could be. And they've got several avenues that they can go down. They could do um, content with no like they could have commercial free content like for the movies that they have, maybe they could put up like DVD extras on there that you could get a subscription for. You could get a subscription for um, more content. Like, have... Well, I know a lot of TV shows and stuff that are on there. They only have some episodes from some seasons. Maybe do something like this to give you access to more episodes from more seasons, oh. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And They've got a, a bunch of different options. It's just no one's talking about what it is that they're trying out. Yeah, there's also you know speculation that it might be the ability to move some of the the content to a portable device, mm-hmm. uh, so you can take it wherever you want, or maybe even uh, cache it locally on your hard drive. So if you're flying, you can watch it still. Um, I mean, more options are better as long as they don't take away what they currently have and just keep adding new options, whether it's it's fee or free or whatever. Uh, I think that's good. Yeah, they certainly have. A lot of options that they can explore. I'm just kind of curious to see when we'll act, 
when we'll see any of those options available to the public. Yeah, yeah, and, and maybe they'll turn on things like Boxy or uh, the PS the PS3 browser. Maybe they'll turn those back on. That would certainly be nice. I don't know. I tried before they shut off um, the ability to watch on the PS3 browser. Watching it on the pre the PS3 browser wasn't that great of an experience anyway. So to be honest, I don't care if they turned that back on. Although it would be nice if they had some kind of a deal with Hulu that you could um, stream it and not have to use like the browser or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like so, a little icon that shows up, like on the 360 with Netflix. Yeah, yeah, basically like that. Although I've I've heard and I don't remember if this came from Microsoft people or Sony people. Um, when someone asked them about the possibility of getting Hulu onto the console, I think it was for the 360, and they likened it to asking out the hottest girl in school or something like that. <laughs> so I, I'm guessing that's not something that's probably going to happen anytime soon. Maybe also this pay service or fee service can open up international markets because you know, Hulu is still U.S. only. And maybe this is a way to have some of that content be available outside of the United States. Yeah, that that would that would be nice too. I know Hulu's coming to the UK. I, it may have. I don't think it's launched yet. I know it's supposed to launch sometime this fall. I don't remember exactly when. Now that I think about it, but I'm kind, maybe that has something to do with it. Who knows? Right. What'd be awesome is um, there's several shows that they film a whole entire season but mm-hmm. after like the third episode it might get canceled this is might be a place where uh, some of that can still uh, be monetized uh, even though it's not aired uh, on the television maybe it could still live on through Hulu. yeah that's that's kind of what I've always hoped for is there's a lot of these shows that get canceled after two or three episodes by that point I'm hooked to on them and I never get to find out what happens for the rest of the season because they don't air any. Mm-hmm. So I, something like that would be nice too. Right. Yeah. Speaking of endings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. an intruder had his life ended by a samurai sword when he tried to break into some students' housing. Yeah, apparently, a couple laptops and a PlayStation was stolen. Uh, earlier the same day, and uh, the, the intruders returned. By that time, the roommates and uh, the students uh, were prepared and were armed with a samurai sword. Yeah, apparently they heard. They went downstairs to investigate the noise they heard, armed with their samurai sword. They saw that their side door to their garage had been pried open. And when they went out there, they found the suspect inside who supposedly lunged at them. And so they used the samurai sword to nearly chop off one of his hands and then kill the guy. No, 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 I I think they did chop off one of his hands. They also chopped off one of his ears and had severe torso lacerations. And I think that's what was the the blow that caused the the death. Yeah. What is amazing to me is that they still aren't sure if they're going to um, consider this self-defense or if they're going to charge the kids with um, some sort of murder or manslaughter or something like that. Right. And if it was me, if I had my house broken into earlier in the afternoon and they come back 
later on that day, I I would certainly do the same thing to them. Let's just say them being held by the police shows that this is not in Texas. <laughs> yeah. In Texas, they would be like, "Oh yeah, totally. You go. You you had you were he was on your property. You're well within your rights." Yeah. This is Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins University students. Yeah. So, yeah, this is just by no means in Texas. Yeah, it's in Maryland. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how this story plays out. This happened back on Tuesday, and I haven't heard any updates to find out if they were going to be charged or not, so I'm hoping to find out some updates on that. Although I don't know when that'll happen. Yeah, I think with the weapon that was used, meaning a sword, which means uh, you have to be short to medium range to use it, it would say that there's some sort of proximity that he was to the victim. And losing a hand, which would also kind of sort of imply that the uh, stabby, if you will, was facing the person with the sword. So uh, there, that, that kind of says that it is some, some sort of self-defense. Um, or, mm-hmm. or even if it wasn't, even even if the per, the 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 intruder didn't lunge at them, them being in the house, uh, the person could feel threatened, and that might be enough. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it seems like a strange situation. If it was me, I, I probably wouldn't use a sword just because by the time you chop off his hands and cut them all up and everything. That's going to be a real bloody mess to have to clean up. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you can't bill them or anything? Yeah, I, I I would find some other method that's maybe a little bit less bloody. I mean, yeah. a bullet to the head's got to be less bloody than limbs flying all over the place. Yeah, it, it could be a rental property, too, so you got to yeah. take that into consideration. Yeah, most students tend to get rental houses, so that could be... Anyway, that would be the last of our stories for today, although we still have our tips of the week, which the first tip is a great little idea that I found out. I know um, there's a lot of people, myself included, I have so many plugins for different things, my Zooms, my iPods, my Kindles, you name it, and I never can remember which side is up, because usually one side has like the little USB logo on it, and the other one has the logo of the device on it, and I never can remember most of the time which is supposed to go up, which is supposed to go down, whatever. Well, apparently, the people over at Lifehacker have come up with the idea of putting a dot of glue on whatever side is supposed to face up on the plug of whatever it is you're plugging in, which seems like a great idea to me. Yeah. Um, You can use it with your hand, just like the little nipple on a on your phone to know where the 5 key is. Uh, you can use this so you can plug your gadget in the dark even. Yeah, it seems like a great idea. You might want to check that link for ideas of how to do this so you don't accidentally glue your device to, to its cord or something like that. But basically one little dot on the cord or on the plug or whatever and you should be good so you can plug things in the way they're supposed to even without paying attention to what you're doing. The other one is basically how to find time for everything, how to be organized and get more accomplished. It's basically 16 different things 
uh, post put together by Smashing Magazine to help you get organized and um, unclutter your workspace and stuff and how to take advantage of like time management tools, setting goals and deadlines, planning ahead, prioritizing, delegating, outsourcing, optimizing your processes, learning to say no, um, learn when it's best for you to work and all kinds of different other things. So if you're looking to become a little bit, if you're looking to make time for more things or if you're just looking to become more productive, this is definitely a guide that you want to check out. Yeah. Not for everybody, but <laughs> uh, yeah. some people might find it helpful. Like number 14. Yeah. If you're as chaotic as me, it doesn't help too much. But yeah, 14 being avoid multitasking. I'm not sure I like that idea. I, th I think we're doing that right now. Are you looking at the web and on a Skype call? Yeah. Uh, okay. All right, you I, broke number 14. Yeah, and I've got Leno on in the background, too. Yeah. So. But at least I haven't checked my Twitter during the whole show, so I guess I'm not too bad. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, don't forget to check out the show notes at globalgeeknews.com. Don't forget to check out the blog, globalgeeknews.com slash blog. And I don't know when, but sometime tomorrow I'll have my opinions on the whole PSP mini um, restriction or PSP Go mini restriction things and I'll have, I've got a number of other ideas up for there and don't forget to um, leave some comments on some of the posts I've got a new, I'm using JS Kit's new echo commenting system that's really cool, worth checking out also um I have, there's now, like I promised to get up last week, there's now a donation page on globalgeeknews.com. So, if you enjoy the show, if you, if, think, if you think we provide good content and stuff like that, feel free to donate to the show. You can go to the, it's globalgeeknews.com slash donations, I believe, is the direct link to that. But you can find that link, too, at the top. But basically it's a little PayPal link and if you donate more than $10 you can put in whatever link you want on that page or no matter what no matter what you donate you're going to get credit for it and it'll have your name listed there unless of course you want to be like anonymous or something like that and the amount that you donated and whatever but if you donate more than $10 you can have your link listed there so if you're maybe looking for a little bit of extra Google juice or something like that that might be something worth investing and also if you donate more than I think I said it for $25 you'll get a shout out in the show and we'll give a plug to whatever site you want us to plug and I want to do something also where like if you donate more than $100 we'll do something extra special I'm, I don't know I'm looking into maybe coming up with some like global geek news t-shirts and hats and stuff like that and maybe if once I get that going, maybe anybody that donates over $100 will get like a free t-shirt or something like that, too. Mm. But basically, it's going to help um, pay for the server and stuff. I'm looking at changing web hosts. The hosting that we're on now expires in about 60 days or maybe give or take somewhere around there. So looking into new hosts and new charges and stuff like that. Plus, I'm getting ready to move everything over to... Amazon S3 as far as the actual audio files themselves and that costs per gig transferred so that's going to be 
another cost. Plus, I'd like to do some upgrading of the audio equipment and stuff, too. So, if you wouldn't mind, we do the show basically every week. We do our best to do it every week to provide you with one hour of content per day. And really, ten even $10 isn't that much to ask when you think about going to movies and how much you'd spend there for an hour and a half or whatever. So, I mean... $10 isn't too much to ask, or anything above or below that or whatever, so if you can afford it, feel free to donate to the show. If not, and I know there are some people that aren't in a financial situation where they can, that's alright too, but, and if you can't, do something to promote the show. Email everybody in your contact list telling them about the show, go talk about it on the forums or something like that, or post links to the shows on your blog or whatever. The only thing that I ask is if you do that, post links to the files on my server. Don't take the file and then post it up on your own thing just because I need to be able to calculate how many listeners and stuff that we have. So anyway, that's my whole um, begging for donation segment of the show. Right, and anything over a $1,000 donation, um, you get a romantic night with either Jeremy or myself. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Um, you pay for the trip too. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to buy dinner. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I guess that's pretty much our show for this week. I didn't even bother to look how how we were on time. Actually, we're about right on time for normal. So we will see you guys next week. Later. <laughs>